Hello and welcome to Feed, Play, Love and to this episode of Helpline where it's your opportunity to ask our expert uh, any of your questions. If your baby's not sleeping, if toddler's uh, perhaps going, throwing food, not getting into the car seat as, as toddlers are wont to do. And uh, our guest today is Chris Minogue, Mothercraft nurse. She's here to answer all your questions. She's had over 30 years experience. So if you've joined us via the Facebook Facebook Live, please pop your questions below in the comments. Or if you're listening to the podcast, you can email us at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. We also have a group in Facebook where you can uh, post your questions. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm really well. Now, it does look like I'm in the studio. I'm not. I'm in what we're calling the Shed Shala, which is basically our shed that I'm converting to my own private yoga studio. Uh, but the reason I mention that is that someone's doing some kind of construction nearby and there's no guarantee my children won't come in and interrupt at any moment, which is how I preface most of my live events these days. I think that's life in general now, isn't it? It is. Although, you know, I am lucky because my children hate being on any kind of internet feed, any Instagram, any Facebook. They hate their images being anywhere. So. I might Good actually, work. yeah, I might get some peace for a half an hour or so. Um, <laughs> but we are here for everyone, especially if you're in lockdown. Uh, we were just having a chat before we came online for all of you about how tough it is for everyone, no matter what your circumstances are. This is quite um, a lot, especially yeah. for parents when you're dealing with children. So please, if you have any questions, anything you're um, being extra challenged with at the moment, drop a question in and Chris will try to get to it. So we, we, we do have quite a few, Chris, so I'll get cracking. Okay. This one comes from Erin who posted in our Facebook inbox. She says, we're struggling to get our three-year-old son to eat proper meals. At the moment, he eats rice, Pancakes, banana milkshakes, toast, chicken nuggets, always chicken nuggets, isn't it, Erin? Um, we offer him other food and new food, but he says it's yucky and won't even try it. Our dog is happy, but we're over it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Look, I think most parents at some point between two and three, even up to four or five, struggle with this, you know, isolation of food where they just eat what they know and that's it. And there's two ways to think about this is eventually the palate will open if you keep putting it down, just put really small amounts down so that the dog doesn't get too big. So just small amounts of new things within the plate where there is something that he will eat, but not a lot of what he will eat. So there's something that he can see that he knows he's going to eat. So there's this whole just keep doing it and doing it and he will eventually get it. And I do agree that they do that. So I don't know many six, seven, eight-year-olds that are still so limited by their diet. Their diet has started to open up. So there's the resolve around what's going on. And then I think there's another side of this when, when we ask parents to write down everything that child eats. The other thing that's crept into the diet, especially in the last 10, 15 years, is a lot more snacking. So a lot of snacking. And I think one way to get around this by, um, by seeing if he can handle new, new foods 
is to actually decrease and stop the snacking. So move the meals out or in so that he eats when he's hungry and he sees new, new foods on there as well. So breakfast might be, let's say, 7 to 7.30. Lunch might need to be 11.30. And dinner might need to be 4.35 with maybe a snack before he goes to bed. And this was how we traditionally fed children. They, only, they didn't snack through the day. And, you know, there's a great book called French Children Don't Throw Food because they don't get food between their meals. So there's an element of how much calories he's taking over the day. Do we reduce that? Just put him onto three meals. On each meal, there's something that he sees that he knows and then introduce the new fields with uh, foods um, within a family diet. But that takes a lot of change for everybody to do that. That takes tolerance in his whinging when he wants something. That takes tolerance in, I don't want that, so I'm not going to eat that, which is fine. Um, and I think slowly you'll find out whether there truly is an issue and he only eats white things. And I have a nephew who only ate white things, but he only ate white things till he was 21. So it was a real <laughs> issue. Okay. So, you know, and now he eats white and a few other colours. So that's a particular type of issue. Or is this just an age and a stage and with consistency you'll get through it? So that's what I think our reassurance needs to be. But we also need to change the approach around food with these children as well and, and limit the snacking and the type of snacking that they do. Good luck, Erin. We have a question. Uh, Virginia emailed us. She said, can you please talk me through a suggested routine for my almost four-month-old breastfed baby? Her nighttime is quite good. She's asleep around 7 p.m. and most nights will feed at midnight and 4 a.m. and wakes around 7 a.m. It often takes an hour to settle her back to sleep after each nighttime feed. Her feeds have always been quick and she has never fed to sleep day or night. During the day, she doesn't feed well. Her feed sleep times are unpredictable and I struggle to get her to sleep beyond a 30-minute cat nap without significant resettling efforts. We have started leaving her in the cot until upset and doing a quick pick up until calm method to help her learn to self-settle, but she still ends up in our arms to go to sleep. She sleeps arms out in a sleeping bag as she has started rolling and, in, and is in a cot. An added difficulty is a toddler around as well. Thanks for all your advice on the podcast. Well, I think, um, Virginia, one of the things that you see in here is the juggle of two children as well. So. Um, you understand the practices of what a four-month-old four needs and we'll certainly go through those. But then there's the toddler issue and sometimes we rush things or assume that they can't do things because there's a toddler around as well. So we understand about the juggle, but the answer to the question hasn't changed. So she's doing well at night in that she's feeding twice at night or she or he, she's feeding twice at night. And um, the only thing about the nights is she said she's feeding quickly, but it can take you up to an hour to get her to sleep. So I wonder whether she actually needs to feed longer on the breast um, to be able to go back to sleep because typically they would feed and sleep overnight. So I think a typical feed of four month olds overnight would take about 15 minutes to do just roughly. 
um, and always offering both sides because that's another thing we can fall into is feeding off one side. So therefore, they're not going to feed as well. So feeding off both sides for all feeds will definitely help this and may help her sleep in the day. Then when it gets around to the day, at four months, I would think they'd feed somewhere between three and three and a half hours. Um, they'd be awake at least an hour and a half, but I wouldn't think they would be able to tolerate being awake longer than an hour and three quarters. So how we gauge that is that if you keep them up longer, but they don't sleep any better, then the baby's just becoming more overtired. So around this age, they can usually do easily an hour and a half, give or take five to 10 minutes either side. But if you're keeping them awake for two hours, but they're only sleeping for half an hour, 45 minutes, the only thing that's happening is the baby's progressively becoming more and more overtired. So sometimes putting them down earlier is better in their sleep overall. So I would stick around that hour and a half. I'd be watching the baby really closely at that point. Are they showing tired signs? Do I need to put them down? But like all babies in this age group, the putting them down to sleep at the settle or the resettle is going to take time. So you have to set your toddler up because I would think it would take between 15 and 20 minutes to get them to sleep or to get them to resettle. And I think you have to put that time frame in and if you think that picking her up and just quick padding and eventually she'll fall asleep in your arms, eventually that becomes the issue. So picking her up, giving her a cuddle and putting her down is perfectly okay. But when you put her down, you need to continue to help her go to sleep. So setting up that toddler so it's in a safe environment to allow you to do that is really going to help. And that overall, in her overall day, she needs about four to four and a half hours of sleep across that whole day to continue to sleep well at night. So hopefully those little hints can get you on that road of consistency. Our next question comes from Teagues from the Facebook inbox. She says, my three and a half year old is toilet trained for number ones and happily takes himself to the toilet without prompting. However, he will not do a number two on the potty or toilet and seems scared of it. We have tried putting a nappy in the potty, praise, videos and double stickers for his sticker reward chart. He will come and ask us to put a nappy on him when he needs to go. I don't want to put too much pressure on it in case he, he gets anxious about it. We were hoping he would eventually want to use the potty, but it's been six months of this. What can we do? So usually with boys, it takes about six months. So I do think you're getting closer to the window. And this is a really hard one because no one wants to put pressure on their child. But if we don't push them a little, how are we going to know? So the more he gets the nappy, the more, of course, more that he's going to be wanting the nappy. So there's this very fine line between a little push to see if he can cope with it versus pushing so hard that it builds anxiety in a child. So one of the things you could try is definitely in the age group now, it's been six months since you toilet trained him, that it starts to come together. And I see this really consistently with boys um, in that it takes them longer to understand the mechanism of sit on the toilet and do a poo than it maybe does in a girl. And that could just be completely coincidental. But the age is about right. It's about three and a half when they start to get it together. So the one thing I would try is, does he sit on a toilet? Because you keep talking about the potty. 
Um, and does he go to daycare? So if he goes to daycare, he's going to see more kids sitting on the toilet. So maybe we move it to a step on the toilet where he's more comfortable, can have little handles on the side to make him quite comfortable um, and making the smaller toilet insert on the toilet. And then the other thing I do, just I just give this a try and put 10 nappies beside his bed and say when all those nappies have gone, then we're going to sit on the toilet to do our poop. So to give him to give him an idea of what's going to happen, because you might be chopping and changing the rules on him and he doesn't know that. So if you put 10 nappies beside his bed, you just say very calmly to him, you know, when they're gone, then we're going to sit on the toilet or the potty to do our poops and then try it. So after the 10 nappies, you just, when you get down to the last one, you just say, that's our last one. And then after that, mummy and daddy are going to help you go to the toilet to do your poops on the toilet and see how it goes from there. You're going to have to watch him when he starts doing that little dance that says, I want to do a poop. You're going to have to help him and guide him through. There could be an accident or two and you've got to stay really calm. So have a go at it and see if that might help him just make that connection. Uh, Caroline emailed us. She says, I have a daughter who turns one next week. She usually sleeps through the night, but at least once a week she'll wake and won't go back to sleep for two or three hours. She has done this since she was about six months old. I know she's a bit young, but about three weeks ago, I moved her to one day and nap, one nap a day, sorry, <laughs> as I was struggling to get her to have two. She would cry or just lie down awake in her cot. She wakes around 6.30, between 6.30 and 7 a.m., goes down for a nap at 11 a.m. or 11.30 and usually sleeps for around two hours. She goes to daycare, daycare four days a week and will sometimes get woken so might only have a bit over an hour. Bed at 7 p.m. unless she's had a bad nap and I might put her down a little early. I don't understand why she's awake for so long at night. I leave her to grizzle, then will go in and hold her for a bit, then put her back in bed. She might lie quietly for 10 to 20 minutes, then we'll grizzle again. I've tried holding her till she goes back to sleep, sitting in the room till she goes back to sleep, giving her a bottle. Nothing works because it's like she's not tired. I've done some sleep training in the past and she goes to sleep independently at night and for naps. I might understand if she was undertired, but I feel like this is unlikely. It doesn't seem to matter what she slept like during the day or what time I put her to bed. There doesn't seem to be any pattern to it. Also, I'm not sure if it means anything, but usually when this happens, she wakes before midnight. Have you got any clues as to why this might be happening and what I can do to get her back to sleep if she does wake? Oh, Caroline, I think this is a hard one. I personally have not seen a baby adjust to one sleep at 12 months very successfully. And you did mention in your email that it doesn't matter what you do, she still does this. So I would go back to two sleeps in the day because on the nights where she is up for three hours, she needs to keep that up. And if daycare, she's not sleeping for two to two and a half hours, is very quickly going to spiral into overtiredness. So I would be very wary of a child going to one sleep at 12 months because it usually in about three months time, that child's so overtired, everything falls apart. Once a week, waking for a couple of hours, I would not have changed anything. It's just once a week. And the other interesting thing, and I know this is a degree of, of how we hear it written, is you were saying that she's only grizzling. So if she's only grizzling, I would have left her alone. 
I wouldn't have gone into her until she was crying for a couple of minutes. And then I think your patting would have probably worked. So if you're going in there when she's grizzling, she's half awake, not fully awake, or she's just laying there, that's okay. She can do that. She's all right to do that. We respond when she's crying. So it could be the interpretation of the word. She could have been crying and you've used the word grizzling, but a grizzling baby probably wouldn't get me out of bed. It'd be annoying, but it wouldn't get me out of bed. So I think she's probably crying. Um, and then the first thing I do is lay her down, put my hand on a rubber back or pat her bottom, even before the pickup. So I think you need to be careful with going to one sleep. I think that could be slightly dangerous, especially if at daycare she's not doing the two hours, because if you think of that and then you're not putting her to bed till seven, she's a very overtired little bunny by the end of the day. So maybe going back to the two sleeps will at least help the momentum of this. And you could do 20 minutes in the morning and then the bigger sleep in the afternoon. And then when she wakes up at night, I would ignore the grizzling till it got to a cry. And then when she was crying, go in, lay her down, try patting and rubbing her back. And if that wasn't working, a quick cuddle and then back down, rub her back and pat her bottom um, before leaving. If she's calm and quiet, even if she's awake, I would leave her alone. She's not asking you to come in there. I think it's more that we know it. We know they're awake. So we think we have to put them to sleep. But, you know, I often wake up and can be awake for an hour overnight and then the next couple of nights I sleep better. So I think you need to be really aware of what might be going on for her and not jumping in too quickly for it. But once a week, I would have left it alone. We have a question in our Facebook inbox from Gil. She says, I have two boys, a three and a half year old and a one and a half year old, and they are already fighting. Is that normal? That, um, sorry, you just broke up, Chef. So I got the one and a half and two and a half year old no, boy. Three and a half year old and one and a half year old, and they are already fighting. And she says, Is that normal? And I said, Yes. Yes. <laughs> Before it even came to you. Um, older boy doesn't want my youngest to play with him or touch any of his things. Younger boy gets upset and then goes over and butts my older boy with his head. <laughs> like a mini headbutt. Any tips on how to get them to be nice to each other, play together? Lockdown here in New South Wales isn't helping, I imagine. No, I don't no, think so not. either. Well, welcome to the world of two children. It doesn't even have to be two boys, but it could be two children. Um, they have to learn to live with one another is one part of it. So. I think you need to set a few rules with your three and a half year old, your 18 month old. Well, they're 18 months. So, you know, they're, they're in a world of their own anyway. And they're often limited by language. So hence why he butts his brother with his head. Um, but I think you need to talk to that three year old and maybe set some boundaries. So one of the good things could be that all the precious toys that are his toys, they go in his room. And if he wants to play with them, he goes in that room. And we will keep that 18-month-old out of that room. So maybe even put in a simple baby gate on his door so he can play, but the, the little 18-month-old can't get in there. But the things that are in the lounge room, the general living area of your house, are to be shared between everybody. So either your three-year-old will unload every toy into his bedroom, of which we need to chat to him about, or um, we're going to teach them how to share. 
and uh, you, we need to be reasonable about it. If the three-year-old's always getting into trouble, he's going to take it out on his brother. So we do have to realise that that 18-month-old is part of this. So if our three-year-old's playing building blocks, and especially if he's creating something in imaginative play, and we know that 18-month-old's going to come over and just bowl the whole thing over, then I can see why the three-year-old lashes out at him. So if your three-year-old's playing quietly um, and that 18-month-old comes along, I try and distract the 18-month-old. But in the same respect, um, we have to teach the boys to play together, so to speak. It's going to take a lifetime, but we'll give it a go. And you need to teach them how to do that. So maybe playing games with them that they can both do, like a matching game, and you actually organise it and you teach them to play together will be the stepping stones for them to be able to play together. And I'm, I'm sure in six months time, when you've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old, it will be better because one will be ready to play with someone and the other one will be ready to lead that child. So your four-year-old will set the play up and your two-year-old will want to play in that space. So hang in there, um, create the right environment. Everything in the general area is shared. If he's got special toys, they go to his room and see if that might help just decrease the level of um, angst between the two of them. Uh, the next question comes from Becky in our Facebook inbox. She says, our daughter will be six this year and we are struggling with her bedwetting. We have tried dry nights, disposable bed, nap, bed mats, towels, no drinks at bedtime, toilet routines before bed, even trying to convince her to get up during the night with a toilet torch and nothing works. We are at wit's end and running out of ideas. Is this just a phase? How do we get her to learn to get up at night when she needs to go? Please, any ideas or solutions would be amazing for us. Okay, so with the six-year-old and you've tried all that, I think at this point I'd be going to speak to your GP to find out if there was a reason for it. And she may need to wear dry nights for much, much longer if there really is a medical reason for why she's still bedwetting. Because some children will bedwet until they're seven, eight, nine, even up to about the age of 11. So I think in this case where you've tried a lot and she's six, so you would think you would start to get dry nights, so to speak, as in dry beds, then I'd be going to have a chat to your GP and find out is there something else that's going on there that, that maybe they can help her with. Yeah. Um, and also I'll mention, Becky, that we have a toilet training expert as part of the parent school with babyology. So we'll put links in the notes of this episode. Um, if you want to check out um, and get a one-on-one -on -one consult with them, you can do it over, over the internet. Can't speak anymore. Can I blame lockdown for not being able to speak? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to have a more specific kind of step-by-step uh, -step where you can um, ask questions and respond, that's probably a good place to go. Ali in our helpline group says, hi, ladies, I'd love a reminder on four-month-old sleep patterns, please. This is my second baby. I have a three-and-a-half-year-old also, and I can't seem to get him to have long day sleeps, except in my arms or the carrier. Any tips? Okay, so if it's in your arms or carrier and he can or does want to sleep for an hour and a half or two hours, that means he can do it and does need it. And I think you're in that age group at four months where it takes a lot of work to get him into the pattern of sleep. 
So you've got to do all that work with settling and resettling. So be rest assured that if he can do it in your arms or in the carrier, he can do it and he does want it. It's just a matter of consistency. So pick the rhythm that you think will best suit you um, with the sleep frames that he seems to be exhibiting. So if he sleeps at lunchtime for two hours in your arms, then you're going to have to put him down at that time. You're going to do the resettling and the resettling to get him into that pattern because in time it will come together and he will form that sleep pattern. So that four-month period is that difficult, very alert, awake babies, very aware of what we do with them. So, for instance, if you put them in the bed, they cry. If you pick them up and cuddle them, they stop crying. So really aware of what they're doing um, or where they're at, not what they're doing, but where they're at. And that's where the consistency is really important for the parents to get them to sleep those periods in their bed. So be consistent, know he wants it um, and know he can do it, but he's gonna need a lot of help from you, a lot of support to get him into that pattern. So that rocking, patting, uh, leaving him for a little bit, even pick up and put down all those things that you know about settling is what you're going to start to implement across this time. So in total number of hours, it's between four and four and a half hours in the day. And I would be looking that he had two sleeps of about an hour and a half to two hours across that day. And the others might be made up of little naps um, to get things done. So keep with it, keep consistent, know he needs it, and it'll come together across this month. I think we may have time for one or maybe two more questions. We'll see how we go. Probably yep. just the one. Uh, Grace says, my three-year-old has been getting very frustrated with his one-year-old sister to the point where he will sometimes sometimes push or yell at her for taking one of his toys. How do I teach him <laughs> that this is not okay behaviour? This is very similar to the one we had before. Um, I think you have to take time to do this. Like we were saying before, is to set up a space for him to be able to play, which is usually in their room with his specific things. But anything in the general area, um, we need to teach him that everything is, is everybody's, as in it's not all his. So if he's um, playing with something and your little one-year-old just toddles over as a one-year-old would do and goes to grab it, you need to intervene and show them the behaviour that you're looking for. So if he pushes his sister then he, he does need to understand that we don't push. So what he's getting into trouble for is the pushing. Then you have to go back and show him how to share. So, you know, if it's not working, call mummy. Mummy comes over, she might distract the one-year-old. Or if it was actually the one-year-old playing and he's come up to the one-year-old, that we re-get him across to another activity to do. But I think this is more about the age gap than it is about anything. And a one-year-old doesn't really know what they're doing. They just see a toy and go for the toy. And it's up for us to explain that to a three-year-old. And really the discipline comes in that we don't push. And then you've got to sort out the bit between them. They're obviously not going to be able to play together because one-year-olds don't play like that. So I think you're going to have to watch and intervene a little bit more in this one. Okay. Well, um, we don't have time for one more question. I apologise. Um, but Chris, thank you so much for your help today and all your That's great advice. And if you didn't get a chance to ask Chris your question, 
remember you can book a one-on-one session with her or another of our experts through the Babyology's Parent School portal. And we'll put links to that in the comments and also in our uh, in our episode notes of the podcast. And we will be back next week taking your questions again. So please remember we are here for you if you're um, in lockdown. It's not much fun. So please feel free to reach out and connect with us and we will help any way we can. Chris, thanks again and we'll see you all next week. Pleasure. Take care. Bye. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.